This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0, and he's... From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair, each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall, the teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars, and that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal, soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner, gets up center. Perry, scoops. Corey Perry. Well, you're able to take away from Solani. It's given away to Solani. Hey everybody, we're back. Pat and Eddie on the mics tonight for another episode of the Forever Mighty Podcast. My God, Ed, I think it's been what six weeks since we've done a show. It's been quite some time. <laughs> it's been a while. It's it's yeah, it's been a while. There's actually a lot of news because you know what? When you you don't do a show for six weeks, things build up and you've got a lot to talk about. And uh, I mean, we aren't one of the playoff teams, so it's not that much news. Oh, spoiler alert! Yeah. Now, if you didn't know by now, I'm sorry. I had to break the news to you, but the Ducks are not one of the 24 teams in the play-in, uh, and and neither uh, n- none of the California teams are in. San Jose and LA aren't in. Uh, LA got the benefit of the doubt, as we'll get to later, winning the second overall pick in the draft lottery, which uh, we we did that we did that live for everybody who joined us on our uh, our Patreon show for that, and uh, that was not fun. <laughs> we had to react. we had to react to that live. I couldn't tell if Jimmy was more mad that the placeholder got number one or that LA got number two. I was more mad that LA got number two. I because think I... he was pretty pissed that LA got number two, and then he was also pissed at like a playoff team that, like you said, the placeholder. Right? You don't even know who has the number one overall pick. I, like I can I can get that because like if I'm the NHL like if you're a conspiracy theorist for the draft lottery this was your best outcome right here because now you could say like if if the NHL wanted content before they knew for sure that the season was coming back why not make sure you have a second draft lottery by having the placeholder team win it 
Um, and if you're if you're a real big conspiracy theorist, if Montreal ends up winning that top overall pick and gets the uh, the top ranked French Canadian player in a very long time, probably Jonathan Drouin was the last one, and they somehow ended up getting him uh, via trade from the the Lightning in the end, then uh, that that will be the ultimate the ultimate win, I think, for conspiracy theorists. Do you think it's rigged? Do you think the draft lottery is rigged? Before I, I don't want to get too into this because we're going to cover. Oh it later, but... man, um, no. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't think the NHL um, is very good at, at, at making outcomes happen that they want to have happen. They're very good at getting in their own way at every possible moment. Uh, I just don't think that is. I don't think it's rigged. I wouldn't be surprised if we found out this particular one might have had a little bit of conspiracy stuff going on in the background. But normally, I would say no. They're these guys, dude. They can't get anything right for the most part, and when they do, it's like an accident. So, yeah, I, there's just no way. There's too I, much I money involved with these other owners. Like, they're not going to be like, oh, yeah. go ahead and take Lafreniere. Like, that's whatever. That I can't is no subscribe way. to that that theory that it's it's rigged. But this like this was fodder for anybody who who does <laughs> subscribe to that theory. And I, and I and I can't say you're wrong. I don't know for sure. It wouldn't certainly wouldn't be beyond professional sports to rig something especially a draft lottery but we'll find out uh, who that placeholder team is after the beginning playing rounds are done so i think it's around august 10th or something is when we'll find out uh who that will be and depending on who gets eliminated uh where do you want to start here do you want to go all the way back and start with draft lottery should we go most recent and start uh, everybody start wants to hear about the most recent stuff it's it's our bad for not covering the news as it was happening over the last several <laughs> weeks so we got to start yeah, with Troy terry and his three-year deal all right so i'm sure you guys saw this this was the first uh i guess the first real ducks news since um they promoted martin madden or i guess they since they announced their echl agreement but troy terry signed a new three-year deal not surprising that he got signed. I, I was just a little bit surprised with the contract, to be honest. I mean, it's not like Troy Terry has lit the world on fire, and, and I guess I should preface the start of that with it was a three-year deal at $1.45 million at average annual value. Uh, Terry's been in the league for two seasons, pretty much spent about half a season with the Ducks in both those years. The rest of his time was in San Diego, about just over 30 games in year one and uh, just over 40 last year with Anaheim he gets locked down for three years at 1.45 which honestly to me it, it seems like maybe not in year one but if he finally breaks out year two and year three of that contract could be really team friendly for the Ducks I think it's a team friendly deal and I think that these always happen that way when you're talking about a player coming off his his entry-level contract the player has no leverage going into uh, the next deal he doesn't you know what I mean like he's not eligible he's still an RFA he doesn't have arbitration he can't do anything uh, so I mean it's on the team to you know take advantage of that and they should and they do it's just the way the rules are written if it was switched around the players would definitely take it but I mean they did give him three years instead of two so that works out a little bit for Troy Terry he gets a little more a little more guaranteed money but I mean if he's able to turn his his game around and start performing with with the experienced guys that he's been successful with because you know we all know he wasn't very successful with the with Steele and Jones the young kids he was more successful with with uh, Henrik and Richie but I mean Richie's no longer here but that'll be an easy slot to fill so uh, we'll see what happens with Terry but I think he has a chance if he's able to start converting on some of those high danger chances we've all seen his shot the the kid can shoot the puck 
uh, at a high level. So I just think if he's able to like just cross that bridge, like we've said with so many of these Ducks prospects coming into the system, <laughs> if they could just cross the damn bridge and get over the hump and start performing the way we think we're supposed to, um, then it'll be great. But I think he's uh, he's got something to go for here, right? He's got three three years guaranteed, and there's a good chance that he can make some money if he's able to uh, to some, to you know, bury ten to fifteen goals, twenty goals next season or two. He doesn't have a lot of time either in terms of you know Seattle expansion draft is coming up, and no matter what the Ducks do, there's a good chance that either one of him, Jones, or Isaac Lindstrom are going to be exposed at, at at some point to that Seattle expansion draft. And you would have to think that this contract would be favorable for Seattle. They would still have him, I believe, at, at two, either two or one years left on that deal where he is in a restricted free agent at the end. So that, you know, Seattle would then have all... Uh, all control, like you'd mentioned, with the, the the Ducks did in terms of re-signing him to to what makes sense for them, and and you know making that uh, a deal that works for their organization. Now Terry could have a great year next year or the year after, and the Ducks will have no choice but to protect them. Uh, so that could be a moot point. But I, I think the big thing about this deal and why it ended up being three years is, is exactly what you said. You know, he's a restricted free agent. The Ducks really have all control. Uh, in that situation to give him the contract that makes sense for the team. And it still does make sense for Troy Terry, but you'd have to think, you know, if, if Terry was aiming for maybe two years, that could have been a two-way deal instead of a one-way deal. And for Terry right now, guaranteed money, if he's, you know, still has to spend a full season with the Ducks, he'd rather be on a one-way deal because if he's going to have to spend half the season or 20 games with San Diego, I'm sure he'd rather get paid NHL money to do so, right? So, I'd have to think there was some give and, give and take there with, with Terry and, and the team. You know, Ducks probably wanted three years, and Terry wanted that one-way uh, pay, I guess, pay cut there. So, you know. Oh, yeah, just in case he's deal. able to – if he has a breakout year in his second season on this contract, you always want to get paid more money sooner. So that would make more sense for the player and the agent. I'm sure that's how it was being pushed. But the Ducks are like, hey, we'll give you a little more money, but you got to sign another year. Like – it, it yeah. kind of worked out, man. I think it was a, a pretty much like a win-win for both sides. But then again, the Ducks still have him. I think he's an RFA after this deal too. So, in fact, yeah, I know he is. So it's is. it's not a big deal for Anaheim at this point to drop one and a half million dollars on average, right? I think I think it's a great I think it's a great deal for both. But I really do think it's a great deal for the Ducks. Uh, I mean, you know, there, it could very well be that Terry, two or three years down the road, hasn't improved that much. But I think at some point he's going to figure it out, and he's a good enough player that he should be a consistent. 30 to 40 point guy at the NHL level once he finally hits that potential um, and if he does it sooner rather than later that's a nice fit for the Ducks if they're going to try contending in the next couple of years to have him under the books at only 1.45 uh, and, and for Terry like we mentioned you know, guaranteed money on a one way contract where if he, if he hasn't figured it out and he's spending time in San Diego he's still getting paid NHL money to do so so I, I think it's it's a good player friendly deal it's a good team friendly deal um, I'm just a bit surprised I, I would have thought uh, you know he might have got a little bit more than that but you, you look at his production you know just over 15 points in 40 games when he did that in, in about 10 less games in his rookie season it, it was a you know not really a step forward from him he dominated in San Diego when he was there just like he did in his rookie season but we just really haven't seen the NHL production and I'm sure a lot of that comes from how abysmal the Ducks have been over the last couple seasons it's really hard for any young player unless you are an elite young player to step into a lineup like that and, and really take off and you know Trevor Zegers might have that potential next year but it's hard you know for guys like Troy Terry and, and Sam Steele and Max Jones to really take a foothold and get going when they don't really have much support behind them 
No, I, I completely agree, man. I guess he's gonna have he's gonna have competition too, right? Like the the competition isn't going away. It's only gonna get more when some of these young Ducks players come up. You look at Benoit Olivier Gru. I know they don't play the same position, but that's a roster spot that he's gonna be fighting for next year, both in San Diego and Anaheim. If the Ducks draft one of Raymond or Holtz and they want to jump right into the NHL, that's a, a, a spot on right wing that immediately gets you know harder for Troy Terry to gain a spot. And I'm sure Maxine Comtois wants to play full-time NHL this year after only playing a handful of games last year. So mm-hmm. it doesn't get easier. So you know one of these guys at some point is going to have to to step up and, and take control and, and take over a roster spot. And you know so far we haven't seen somebody do it. Maybe that's Terry coming up this year but somebody's gonna have to do it sooner or later don't forget the ducks still have all-star david backus on this team who's also a right wing so <clears throat> he never could, know he might be center yeah <laughs> but if Derek grant comes back i guess david basket david backus is playing right wing right if mm-hmm. uh, if he comes over uh speaking of right wings the one rumored to be on the market but kind of got squashed pretty quickly was brock besser um you know, for I think it was almost a month and a half there, it was uh, Jack Eichel rumors that were going around everywhere. Every team, what would it take to get Jack Eichel? Um, he, that poor guy. I think, yeah, and I, I feel bad for him. I mean, he, he's such a great player. Like he, but the problem is, like he just gets overshadowed because of who was drafted in front of him with Connor McDavid, and then he gets put on a team like that where you know, yeah, they've been better season after season, but they just can't make the playoffs and. You know, he's such an exceptional player, but you know he comes out and, and says that he's just tired of losing, and uh, immediately, because he says he's tired of losing, the trade room has come out, and every team, including Ducks fans, were, were wondering what it would take to get him. Uh, and now Brock Besser is uh, is victim of that as well, uh, with a report coming out. Uh, Rick Dalywell, uh, TSN 1040 reporter, tweeted out a quote from Matt Sakaris that said that the Vancouver Canucks were actively trying to shop Brock Besser because of their current cap situation with the flat cap for the next couple of years. They put themselves in cap hell by signing players like Louis Erickson and Tyler Myers and, and Brendan Sutter to not so not so great deals. And uh, they're looking to move somebody before they have to sign Elias Pettersson and, and Quinn Hughes to long-term deals. Although Jim Benning and Matthew Zader from the Hockey Writer came out and, and put this quote in his article today, uh, Jim Benning came out and basically squashed those rumors. Uh, that that there's no chance uh, that they're trading Brock Besser. He said, we've been happy with him since we drafted him. I don't know where this stuff comes from. I have no intention of trading Brock. No surprise there. The GM's not going to come out and say, yeah, I'm, I'm trading him because I put my team in cap hell. There's no <laughs> way he's going to come out and say that. He's never been a great GM either, so uh, it's not surprising. But this is par for the course, I think, with every GM across the NHL. Anytime this kind of news comes out, you're going to squash it. Even if the trade's imminent, you're going to squash it. Um, right? We've seen that in, in Anaheim, too. And we've also seen trades go sideways because of this kind of stuff. Remember with uh, with Andre Kasha and the Carolina Hurricanes? You remember that? Yep. Yeah, you know, this this kind of stuff just We're goes still on. wondering what would have happened if the Ducks got Justin Falk. I've seen, I've seen people still still questioning if that would have been a better deal than what the Ducks ended up getting for him. Not that I think, you know, a first-round pick and a B prospect was great, but... You can't think the Ducks with Justin Falk this year would have been much better. No, not really. What's more disappointing, though, is that he's playing in Boston, who's going to the playoffs. Good for Andre, but uh, damn, dude. I forgot that he was on Boston until a couple days ago when I was looking at the playoffs are starting in two weeks. The training camp rosters come out, and you see his name alongside Nick Ritchie in the playoffs. For, it's for so Bob. weird. 
I don't think Besser's going to go anywhere. I don't. I don't think so. He, he's very valuable. I mean, what do you think that anybody would get? You would have to. It would have to be obviously. You're going to say a first round pick. Obviously, you're going to say. Um, I mean, shoot, you're going to. You're probably going to have to say like a top end wing or defenseman. And what is what does Vancouver need right now? Probably more defenders. Yeah, I mean, the 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 big thing, what a lot of teams that are close against the cap need is is to shed salary. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, with with the cap staying the same for at least this year, potentially next year, depending on re- it, basically is going to go up depending on revenue. Um, so it could be the same this year and next year. I think it's eighty one and a half million dollars. And you know, for a team like I mentioned, like Vancouver, that has to sign some players. Like Elias Pettersson is going to command a lot of money, and Quinn Hughes is going to command a lot of money. You've got to find a way to shed money at, at some point. And and you know whether you know I, I don't think many teams are going to take on Louis Erickson's five plus million dollar contract for the next few years or, or Tyler Myers and, and you know the Canucks just signed Tyler Myers and they're pretty thin on defense so I don't think they're moving him and nobody's going to take on uh, Sutter's contract either so you've got to find another piece that you're comfortable with moving that you can shed salary and, and Brock Besser makes just around 5.8 million dollars so I can see where the need and, and where this rumor kind of came from uh, you know, if you're looking from a duck side, you've got to look immediately at somebody who makes less than what Brock Besser does. If Vancouver's right. looking to shed salary, and you know, if you're in a duck's position, you know, if Cam Fowler's name immediately comes off the board because he makes six and a half million dollars. Uh, but there's guys like Josh Manson makes four point one, although he is an unrestricted free agent at the end of next season. Um, you know, the Hampus Lindholm's names is up there as much as I probably wouldn't be comfortable with a deal like that. Um, you know, you you can look at, at Ricard Raquel as well with with a favorable contract there. I think that's a deal that that makes maybe a bit more sense for Vancouver than it does for Anaheim to move off a great contract like that. And, and you also have to look at the Ducks cap situation and and would they be able to take on a Louis Erickson contract to try and get an asset like that, like they did with you know bringing on David Backus to get that that first round pick in that deal. You know, they they have the flexibility to kind of use the cap a bit. But maybe not so much this year with that buyout for Corey Perry uh, increasing from two million to six million. Do you really think that Bob Murray's in on this, though? No, no. It's like, fun to speculate. But it, no. it definitely is. But like, if you were going, go just going through those names, and it doesn't make sense to trade a defenseman for this guy. To me, it just doesn't. The Ducks have a really good draft position which we'll get to later in this show which we should have got two weeks ago which we'll talk about some of the players available um they already have zegris coming up um they have these other young talented players that they're waiting to we just said to get over the hump bringing in besser you're gonna have to trade somebody who's equally good or better or not better but equally good plus a pick right um vancouver thinks they're in some sort of playoff push even though they're 17th in point percentage but somehow they're close like what 30 grand from the cap so they're a mess. Um, I mean, who do you trade? You can't shed a defenseman off of Anaheim. Yeah. And, and you just, just you just can't. I mean, let's say these guys come back to being, let's say Lindy, and, and, and uh, although Fowler was better last season, let's say Lindy um, and the other guys come back and it's, it's, they're closer to what we thought they were supposed to be. That still isn't fantastic. I mean, this this what we thought this defensive core was going to be kind of really hasn't panned out the way we thought. I just don't see a player we can shed that makes sense. 
I, I, the only player I could say that would make sense would be Josh Manson, but I don't think the Canucks make that deal because they would just have to pay more money next year, and they're looking for longer-term cap relief. And, and again, I don't think they're comfortable. And you look at Benning's comments, of course he's going to say that, but I'm sure they're not comfortable trading Brock Besser. You look at the chemistry that he's built on that team, and you know, barring injury issues, he's, he's a great player. He's probably a, a consistent 30-goal scorer if he can stay healthy. But mm-hmm. the you know first three seasons of his career, he hasn't played over seventy games. He's had injury issues, uh, and I'm sure you know the Canucks won't admit it. But that's definitely a concern for them and whether he can stay healthy. I mean, hey man, and he, they're going to the playoffs, baby. So, yeah, I, I mean, twenty twenty nine <laughs> goals in his first year just scraped the surface. Twenty six the year after that, but didn't couldn't stay healthy. And last year, I think he was on sixteen and fifty some odd games, so he could have been on pace for another twenty goal season. He at least looks like even if he can't stay healthy, a consistent 20-goal guy. Right. Consistent 20-goal, maybe 30 or 40, 50-point guy, which is still a great player in this league. And, you know, we've talked about this with Andre Cash for how long. I know they're not the same caliber of player, but how long can you hope for potential to fulfill itself and a player to overcome his injury problems before he just can't? And for Andre Cash, I think we all hit that point where we just – we were, we're kind of sick of waiting for him to become the potential 20, 30 goal scorer we thought he might become because he just couldn't overcome the injuries. And you, you look mm-hmm. at, you know, he goes to Boston and, and two games in, he gets injured uh, and when his first stint with Boston. And, you know, you kind of sit there and say, okay, well, this is what we we're worried about. And, and you know, for the same, I'm sure it's, you know, to the same level for the Vancouver Canucks and their worry with Brock Besser is, you know, how long can we wait for this guy to get fully healthy before it's just not possible? Right. No, I 100% agree. I don't think he's going anywhere anyway. I, I just, I'd be shocked, honestly. Yeah, I, I, I would be, I'd be shocked if they moved him. I'm, I, I think somebody will pull a Arizona. Will they'll be willing to take that Louis Erickson contract for a first round pick if it came down to it, or, or you know, another prospect that maybe the Canucks are willing to to give up? I don't think they're in a position, uh, you know. They have a great prospect pool, but I don't think they're really in a position to move on from Brock Besser yet. It wouldn't really be a smart move. You know, although you've handcuffed yourself with the cap, there's other ways to get out of it than moving on from a young piece. I mean, Besser's only 23. Like you're you're not you're not going to move off of a guy like that who no. fits so well in your team at, at this point just because you might have cap issues down the road. There's plenty of ways you can figure out how to get out from under that before you have to sign Elias Pettersson or Quinn Hughes. Oh. Jim Benning would just be in a boiling pot of water in, in Vancouver if he did that, right? Like, why is it Besser's problem that he has the cap, like, his cap situation like this with this team? It's all on him. Like, yeah. and you can't, dump, you can't dump a player like that. No. But, I mean, Arizona would take it, right? If you could trade yeah. him to Arizona and play with Taylor Hall, why not? Somebody, I mean. <laughs> if you could resign you know, Taylor Hall. <laughs> I, I think if you're looking for teams that have a ton of cap, you, you can go look at the Sens or you, you can go look at New Jersey and see if they'd be willing to take a player like Louis Erickson for some draft picks or a prospect, which I'm sure they would be. The position that New Jersey and Ottawa are in their rebuilds are a bit farther away from from contention, and and they've shown in the past that they're willing to take on bigger contracts, and and you know in return they'll get picks or prospects, and that makes sense for them right now. So I, if anything happens, I, I think it'd be something like that where you know Vancouver moves from a out from under a contract and has to give up assets to do so. I, I think that's probably the options that get explored before Besser. And maybe they you know, maybe they were at some point considering trading Besser or listening listening to offers and it might, you know, more 
be injury related than cap related but you know every team listens on their players doesn't mean that they're actively shopping him no you have to listen to every deal right it's just it's just the way it is but yeah we'll see what happens man he's not coming to anaheim though although it would be nice if they could work out some deal to to steal him from jim benning i'd take it He'd immediately be their their best goal scorer. I mean, Ricardo Raquel's <laughs> not consistent enough to, to and and you know as as much consistency I guess on the injury side that Besser has, Ricardo Raquel would have to get back to the level he was before to even compete with that. So, you know, whether the Ducks it, it looks right for now, they're going to have to get a goal scorer through the draft, and that's yep. that's probably the route uh, that we're going to end up having to go. That's what Bobby um, always says too. You got to get these players from the yeah. draft. Hey, he said he was looking for a guy who can one time the puck and put pucks in the back of the net. And there's a there's a few of them available this year. Uh, before we get there, a couple things to kind of shore up here. Uh, announcements from the Ducks. They signed an ECHL agreement with the Tulsa Oilers. So the Ducks haven't had an ECHL affiliate since the Utah Grizzlies uh, two years ago. It was from 2013 to 2018. Uh, but they've been loaning players on and off a few players every year for the past two years to Tulsa. Last year, I think Stephen Ruggiero was there. Uh, Devin Sidoroff was there. A few other guys were there for, for a bit last year. Um, so it's not really super surprising. But it is it is nice to have that official agreement in place and be able to send players down there without having to loan them over there. And I think on a pure developmental level, I don't know why they didn't have an ECHL team for two years. I don't know why they didn't have that affiliate there. Yeah, that's I mean, odd. Maybe they felt like they didn't need it. Now you're moving into a rebuild. You've got a few more prospects that you need to have playing time rather than sitting on the bench in San Diego. So I think in that sense, it makes sense. And especially, I think an underrated side of that is you look at the amount of goaltending prospects the Ducks have that are probably ready to play professional hockey, whether it be in San Diego or in Tulsa. It, it, it's a move that makes sense. I mean, Ole Eriksson Eck was there last year in Tulsa, so I'm, I'd assume he'd potentially be there again this year with San Diego. Uh, you know, Miller's status is up in the air if he's going to be a backup. If he does come back, you know, Stolarz is the number one in San Diego, mm-hmm. uh, and then one of you know Kevin Boyle or Eriksson Eck or, or Roman Derny are the backup, and you still have two or three guys. We're going to need somewhere to play. So, you know, having that ECHL affiliate means you can send both of them down there, play with Tulsa, um, and then not have to rush Lucas Dostal over from, you know, from Finland where he's playing against men and put him in the ECHL. I don't think that's great for his development. You can you can kind of take your time with him uh, and not rush it. So I think it's a, it's a kind of an overdue move for the Ducks, but it's, uh, you know, not a big announcement by any means, but good on the developmental side of things. Yeah, no, it's nice. Like you said, it's a, it's weird they didn't have one. You kind of figure teams have them because you always hear about the AHL. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I've never been to an ECH, ECHL game of you. No, I, I've never been. A, I've never really followed it too much. The the, the teams in, in the East Coast Hockey League seem to be kind of all over the place in terms of affiliation. Dave just asked in her chat, are there no closer ECHL teams that aren't affiliated with another team? I, I would I would guess no. I mean, the Ducks do have a working relationship with Tulsa, so maybe if there was... Oh, wait they, a minute. Kind of... No, the ECHL Long Beach Ice Dogs. I used to go to those games. They had yeah, like $2, $2 beers, $2 hot dogs. I remember doing that with, with Jason and a bunch of other buddies. We'd go and get beers. Their teams, like, I, they, they're very sporadic. It seems like there's a new team each year, and, and I have no by no means i'm an echl expert at it but i i don't know really know anything too much about yeah, the league it's gung show hockey it, it, dude <laughs> it, it always seems like 
there's a few new teams each year, and the affiliates change pretty often. I'm, I mean, teams at this point, you know, they, they change a lot more often than a, AHL affiliates do, just because they're 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 so far down the list in the amount of players that you're going to send there. They're usually not stocked with a full team's development players. You know, the Ducks likely don't have enough prospects able to play professional hockey that they're able to sound, send down there. So Tulsa has to sign their own players to ECHL deals, and then they get supplemented by prospects from the Ducks. So. It, it, it's just I think it's great um, you know developmental terms for for Anaheim to have that in place at least for the next three years especially when you're re- you're rebuilding and you're not going to have enough space for all these guys you need some somewhere to play I mean you know the Ducks have a lot of CHL prospects who are going to come out and they only can either play with Anaheim or with San Diego and now they can play with Tulsa so you have a couple more options where let's say Braden Tracy two years down the road you don't feel like he's ready for San Diego you don't think he's ready for Anaheim, you can send him down to Tulsa and have him play some ECHL games. And if he does well there, you can call him up to San Diego if you want and and make that decision at that point. So I think it just gives the Ducks some more flexibility in terms of what they're able to do with their prospects. And in the end, that helps them develop players and and hopefully get them to the NHL sooner. No, that makes sense. I have a question for you. You tweeted... A couple weeks ago, about about trading um, Henrique, Troy oh, Terry, boy. and Brendan Gooley for Brandon Montour. Okay, okay. So <laughs> I I, I had to ask tweet. you about this. I gotta, I have to find this now because I remember <laughs> this tweet. It was a rumor that got put out that the Bo- Buffalo Sabers were shopping. Here it is. So the Buffalo Sabers may want to package their eighth overall pick along with Brandon Montour for a second-line center. So I tweeted that out just saying, we'll take uh, Montour back in the eighth overall pick, and the Sabres can have Henrik and Gouli, and I'll throw in Troy Terry as well. Uh, I'll defend myself on that. I don't think it's, I don't think it's an awful deal. I think on the surface, if you're getting an eighth overall pick in this year's draft, I think Henrik... Uh, for the eighth overall pick. Is Quite probably the salary dump you're giving away too, right? For sure. Uh, but if you're if you're Buffalo and you're looking for a second-line center, I think Adam Henrique's a perfect fit to put behind Jack Eichel. I put the, <laughs> ben, I put the Brendan Gooley thing in there as kind of a joke because I, I, I can think we can agree. Uh, so far, I think Brendan Gooley could still develop into a player, but so far neither team has really won that deal. Uh, Brandon Montour hasn't really worked out with the Sabres. Brandon Gooley hasn't really worked out with Anaheim. Uh, and, and then I just felt like that wasn't enough for the eighth overall pick in a, in a right shot defenseman. So I threw in Troy Terry. I think we're, everybody who listened to the show is well aware when it comes to Jones, Comtois, Steele, and Terry. Terry's at the bottom of my list among those four. It doesn't mean I don't like him as a player or as a prospect. I just think of long-term development, I think, Jones, Comtois, and Steele will be better NHL players than Troy Terry will be. So I had I had to throw him in there. And, I know. And throw I, him I, I just I decided to read that. I thought it was funny. Um, where do you want to? You know who makes to? this deal? The Kings make that deal. The Kings <laughs> the Kings make deals like that. That's why their rebuild is going so much better than the Ducks. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> like how is Rob Blake outperforming? Rob Blake and and uh, Luke Robitaille are outperforming Bob Murray. Really. They're doing uh, a great job. Yeah, I hate they to admit are. it. I hate to admit it. And they got lucky this year with the draft lottery and getting second overall, which is going to help them a ton. But what they've done there, and they, their rebuild has been the same amount of time, maybe a year earlier started than Anaheim has been. But they've been fully committed. 
know, they obviously they haven't traded Kopitar, they haven't traded Dowdy, they haven't traded Quick, but they have moved on from some pieces. They made some really good trades, and they've just drafted well. And we've always been high on the Ducks drafting well, but like I hate to see it. Like I hate to see it because I, I I want to respect what they're doing over there, but it just means that their team is going to be so good down the road. You ask any prospect or or you know draft expert around the league who has the best prospect pool everyone will say la i don't think anybody would would say any other team they're just they're just stacked and it sucks it sucks to see because the ducks could be in that exact same spot but they just haven't fully committed to the rebuild yet maybe they will eventually we'll see what happens right if if this if there's another crash and burn you have to think major changes are going to happen roster wide yeah well that's up to the gm and i guess speaking of the gm the Ducks promoted Martin Madden to assistant GM. This was way back, so again, we apologize. We're a bit behind on, on this. but This was um, like back in June? Yeah, near the, <laughs> near the, end, near the end of June. But uh, for anybody who didn't know Martin Madden before, he's the mastermind behind the Ducks draft success over the last 10 or so years. Uh, he oversaw all amateur scouting. He's still going to do that. He's just added to his role. He'll now also be involved in pro scouting. And then uh, the big part of uh, being an AGM, he'll also have a role in personnel decisions, including trades and, and free agent signings, which is great to see from from a you know a clear hockey you know hockey mind like Martin Madden has. It's nice to see him kind of a say in those positions. Obviously, Bob Murray is going to have all final says as long as he's under contract as Ducks general manager. Yeah, but, but even Bobby said at the at the breakfast, he was like, "I told him, I, I he's like I told Madden, I I need a finisher." Uh, I love I love all these guys who can pass the puck, but we need finishers now. So we'll see what happens. See if this yeah. is, if this actually starts to turn around for the Ducks. He's still in charge of the draft, so I'm sure. Yeah, I, I have full confidence in in his ability to pick the right player at six overall. I know the Ducks got kind of lucky last year with Zegers falling to nine. It was an obvious choice, but the Ducks have always drafted fairly well. Um, so I'm I'm not too worried about what he's going to be able to do. Um, you know, as for you know, we mentioned that. Madden is also going to have uh, a role in pro scouting. Rick Patterson is still on as director of pro scouting. And unfortunately, yes, Dave Nonis is still uh, also an assistant GM and also has a say in uh, player personnel decisions just like Martin Madden. But it is nice to have a guy like Madden in, in Bob Murray's ear, not just Murray and Nonis sitting in a box somewhere discussing who the Ducks should sign and what other fourth liner will look great on this team. So <laughs> <laughs> it will... Uh, it will be nice to, to have uh, Martin Madden aboard. I did write an article uh, right after this happened, kind of discussing why this could be the Ducks grooming the next in-line general manager, uh, kind of what they did with Dallas Aikens in San Diego. Um, so I think it, that'd be kind of a good thing for us to kind of move on to now. Bob Murray has two more years left on his contract. He's got the basically the season after the Seattle expansion draft. We speculated when that extension was signed that that could be it for him and that the Ducks would be looking for their next replacement. This kind of fuels the flames a little bit on that story that they could be prepping Martin Madden over the next two seasons or at least just seeing what he's got and then potentially moving him up to general manager when all's said and done. No, I mean, to me, it seems pretty obvious is what they're trying to do. Obviously, we don't have any inside track on what's going on, but it just makes the most sense on top of what, what seems to be an obvious decision. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it could go any way. I mean, at that point, when Bob Murray's contract's over in two years, who, who knows who's available, who's done well, what young GMs are, are coming up. But 
it, it seems to be the trend of what the Ducks have been looking to do. I mean, starting with that Dallas Aikens hiring out of San Diego where, you know, they talked a lot about him being around and promoting from in-house and, you know, bringing guys up that are familiar with the organization. And you look at how long Martin Madden's been here. It, it would make sense for them to go down that route. I think when it comes to it, he's probably going to be at the top of the list no matter who is available. I'm sure there'll be other guys who are interviewed, but if he's done a good job, and which I'm sure he will just based off his resume so far with the Ducks, I would have to, you know, I'd be comfortable betting money that he would be the next GM of the Ducks if Bob Murray ends up stepping aside two years from now. I, I just, it just seems like the logical option for them to go that route. I mean, you know, who knows how successful he'll be, uh, but I would definitely be willing to give him a shot just to see what he can do. 100%, man. I think so too. Uh, he has a great track record and uh, he's, He's obviously primed for the position. Yeah, but they'll end up going with Dave Nonis. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the way it's going to go. Or Bob Murray's going to sign another extension. The Ducks are going to make the playoffs again and somehow go on a little bit of a run. Be a, Bob Murray's going to be like, yep, uh, it looks like I'm coming back, boys. No oh, boy. going to sign Ryan Getzlaff to a four-year extension at 36 or 37, and uh, we're going to be with Bob Murray for another few years. What will happen is – They'll fire Dallas Aikens and hire Bob Murray to be coach, and then uh, Martin Madden will take over as GM. And then Martin Madden will fire Bob Murray immediately because that's a horrible decision. <laughs> he wasn't a bad coach at the end of the, at the end of the season when he was there. So who knows? I'm, I'm, I mean, was he? <laughs> was he a good Remember, coach? we were talking about how we got more out of the players during that abysmal year. I, well, I think we got more out of the players because the GM is in the locker room and yeah. behind the bench, and he has the ability to trade you you're if you're playing like crap. Um, and he he's publicly said he, he he's told players that they need to be better, and, and I'm sure he that was a lot of what was going on near the end of of last season before Dallas Aikens was brought in. So I wouldn't be I'm not super surprised they kind of upped their play a little bit there because the the seat got a little hot on that bench under oh, yeah. under pretty much everybody. I don't think anybody was really safe. Maybe barring Ryan Getzlaff, pretty much everybody else was like, "You got to play better," or you know, I'm fully or comfortable moving you, might especially the core guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of Martin Madden, let's move into the draft and the draft lottery to kind of wrap up the show a little bit here. But before we do that, we have to roll into a message from one of our sponsors. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. And there's no better place to start than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Get in on the action for this week's big UFC fight, or check out odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and the Premier League. Can't wait for your team to come back? Bet Online has futures odds, including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Or check out our daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit betonline.ag and use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Um, as you all know, and we've already kind of mentioned for multiple times throughout the show, the Ducks fell from 5th to 6th in the draft lottery because the LA Kings moved up to number 2 and the placeholder team moved up to number one so the reason anaheim drops is because the placeholder team was ranked behind anaheim so everybody shifts down uh and la won that second combination the real heartbreaker wasn't so much the placeholder team winning number one wasn't even really so much la getting number two 
It's that a few people had to tweet out how close the Ducks were to getting that winning combo. And that just, that hurt me so much. So the winning combo for placeholder E, which is the team that won it, four balls get drawn. Every team has a certain amount of combos based off their percentage to win. The winning combo was 9, 10, 2, 11. For the Ducks to have won first overall, they had 9, 10, and 2. So when the last ball was getting drawn, they were one of, I think, five or six teams who had a chance to get the first overall pick. All they needed was a 3 to get drawn on that last I wish we would have done the show when we were supposed to back then because reliving all of this is just... It's sad. It's very disappointing. Very disappointing. I debated putting this at the beginning of the show and ending with Troy Terry signing (laughs) because it was at least a positive note. We still got a positive here. We got got players to talk about at least. Exactly. So they came close, and I'm sure you can say that for any team. I think Ottawa had four of those combinations uh, out of the, 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 the final ball. So they had four combinations that went 9, 10, 2, and then a number. They had four chances to win it. They had more than Detroit on that last ball because they have the two picks. Oh, yeah. And they, did, and they didn't get it. They fell on both their picks. So I feel for Sens fans there. But, yes, the, the most painful thing of that day was L.A. moving to number two and likely getting Quinton Byfield. I'm, I, although they're – director of amateur scouting has been on interviews where he was asked about Byfield and Tim Stutzel and completely blew off talking about Quentin Byfield and just hyped up Tim Stutzel. So I wouldn't be surprised if LA went with him at number two, which I mean, he's a great player, but I think down the road, Quentin Byfield's the best player of this draft. And I really do not want to be playing against a guy of, of his skill and his size for the next decade. And have to deal with him terrorizing. He's like a more skilled, faster Anze Kopitar. Yeah, and he's have, six four, like two twenty. He's a big boy. He's he's eighteen. He's six four. Yeah, he's eighteen. I think he's six four, six five, and and two hundred fifteen, two hundred twenty pounds. He's just gonna get bigger. He's gonna build muscle, uh, and he's just gonna be an absolute handful for anybody to deal with and I really don't want the likes of Trevor Zegris and, and company to have to get to injured to do battle with, uh, <laughs> with, with Bifel. That's, that's a lot to handle down the that's road. That's going to be an exciting player to watch no matter where he lands but yeah I hope he doesn't end up in California let's just say that. He's a, he's a full 10 months younger than Alexis Lafreniere um, and, and you know you think you know at 18 years old what does 10 months have to do but it's 10 months of development and, and you look at you know let's look at the season Alexis Lafreniere had this year which was an amazing season CHL player of the year back-to-back years you know over 120 points like he was a dominant player this year but if you want to compare Quentin Byfield fairly you basically have to look at what he does next year because he's 10 months younger right. so you see what Quentin Byfield does this upcoming season that compares to what Lafreniere did this year. And, and it, he's just, he's such like a, a, a unicorn, a rarity in terms of that amount of skill and, and speed in a player of that size. It's He would have been it, the perfect player to come to Anaheim if the Ducks would have got that spot, sure. like the perfect player to come to Anaheim. For sure, especially when we don't know 100% if Trevor Zegers is going to be a center at the NHL level. Um, you know, Sam Steele is a great player, but he's not a number one center. Uh, it, it would be, yes, he would be, you know, obviously Alexis Lafreniere would be a great player, and he's going to be a great player, but I think down the road, Quinn Byfield's going to be the guy, but I, it's too disappointed to talk about these guys because LA could potentially get him, and I don't want to talk about that. So <laughs> let's let's talk about who the Ducks could get. Oh, I already know six. who I want them to get. 
Uh, it's no. not a, a huge drop-off. I mean, if we predict that Lafreniere, Stutzel, and Byfield go 1-2-3, which they probably should, um, again, just like it was last year, Detroit holds all the cards. They could they pick at number four. They threw things... In a, like they just they stirred everything up last year, taking Cider at four, which pretty much allowed Zegers to fall to nine. Obviously, a lot of other things had to go down before that, but it was one of the main reasons that Trevor Zegers got to Anaheim where they were. So again, Detroit kind of holds all cards for Anaheim in this one. Uh, they could take Lucas Raymond. They could take apparently they've been high on Cole Perfetti. They could take the defenseman and Jamie Drysdale. They could really do anything. Uh, and then from there, it's Ottawa's second pick. Um, and, you know, maybe if they take Byfield number one, they take a defenseman and Jamie Drysdale. It's, you know, it, it really, for the Ducks at six now. That's it. it. It really all depends what Detroit and Ottawa do. Um, so, I, you know, I broke it down. I think there's one of five players. A few of them are going to be available. At least three of them are going to be available. I think the Ducks have one of these five players that they walk away with the draft. I don't see them taking anybody outside of it, obviously, unless Byfield or Tim Stutzel fall all the way to six, which I, I don't think any team would let that happen. But those players are Jamie Drysdale, Cole Perfetti, Lucas Raymond, Marco Rossi, and Alexander Holtz. I, Jamie Drysdale all day. Yeah, I, I, I just... I can't. I, I would bet money the Ducks walk away with one of those players. I, I don't see how you don't take one of those players at six. There's going to be at least, like I said, two or three of them available. And, and like you said, Jamie Drysdale's. I think when we polled everybody on Twitter, he was number one, I believe, on our list. He might have been number two behind Alexander Holtz, but he was. He's been high in everybody's wish list for a long time for good reason. I mean, he's exactly what the Ducks need. And what they've needed for a while, what they thought Sammy Votnin would be and what they thought Brandon Wanter would be, a truly elite top-pairing potential offensive defenseman who can quarterback the power play. That is exactly what Jimmy Drysdale is, and he's not bad in his own zone. He's a good two-way player. Yeah, and the Ducks have been trying to get a defenseman all season. They tried to get Falk. They tried to get Shattenkirk. They ended up with Eric Cabranza, but they're trying to bring a defenseman out of this team that's going to help them out. Um and this is like the, the golden piece of the puzzle that the Ducks have, has eluded them in the draft for, I mean, you might be able to say, shoot, for, I mean, forever, right? I mean, yeah. well, like I mean they, they had Scott Niedermeyer, they had Chris Pronger, but they were traded for. Mm-hmm. They, like, they thought they had it in Brandon Montour. They thought they were going to have this elite-level defenseman with um, with Hampus Lindholm, which, you know, he's close, at least in my opinion. Um <laughs> But I really feel that Drysdale, if they if he's there, it's stupid not to take him. It's just really stupid not to take him. You need a puck moving guy. Um, you need a guy who's going to be elite on the blue line. The Ducks just don't have that at all, and you can build around that. Yeah, and I, I can't I can't argue with the Ducks' need for Jamie Drysdale. I, I think and and his talent I think is is exceptional, and he's going to be a great player. Um, for me, I don't think he's the top of my list. And in my, my my argument might it has some valid points, but I, I can poke holes in it too. I can play devil's ad, advocate. But when you look at the 2021 draft compared to this year, uh, pretty much you know I can argue eight 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 defensemen could go in that top ten next year. And there's a few right-handed shot guys next year. And you never want to bank on you know being bad next year because what if the Ducks aren't bad? You, know, you don't want to take not take Jamie Drysdale this year because you think you're going to be bad next year and then you're not as bad as you thought and you don't end up getting to draft one of those guys. So it's definitely not 
you know, the most soundproof argument I've ever made. Um, but for, for me, out of those five, um, you know, the, the guy, if, if he was available, who I would take uh, is Lucas Raymond. Because I, I just think out of those five, he's probably got the highest potential of all of them. He maybe isn't the best fit for the Ducks at this point, but he's just such an exceptional player in every facet of the game. He has no weaknesses. He's a great two-way player. He's one of the best passers in the game. He's got an underrated finishing ability. He's just a great player, and I think his stock has fallen because as it is in professional leagues with young players in Europe, you know, you look at either Sweden, Finland, Russia, they don't play a lot of minutes. And Lucas Raymond played, I think, nine minutes on average for Furlunda in, in the SHL this year. Just did not play a lot. Alexander Holtz played about 13 minutes, which was enough for him to have a statistically better year. And he's got an identifiable skill, Holtz does. Everybody knows about his shot. And I think that's why he maybe has jumped in front I of mean... him. But I you you honestly don't think that he's the better pick? Drysdale? No, you're talking about Holtz. You don't think Holtz is the better pick? I, I think Holtz is the better pick for Anaheim. Okay, I good. think, yes, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I think they need a goal scorer is clear. I mean, they, they need everything. It's not like the Ducks have built every piece together and they need a right shot defenseman they need to no but i mean don't you think eric stevens had a great point like i agreed with him reading the athletic article when it came to to holtz uh and and drysdale like you don't see a lot of number one defensemen get moved but you have seen scores move across the league it happens um they always talk about drew Doughty. they always talk about guys like eric carlson and brent burns um john carlson he was talking about these guys that are just amazing they're they never move these guys are never available until the end of their career when it's too late. Um, and I think that the, the potential for that this season, for the Ducks to grab that guy might be great. But like you're saying, next year's draft, if it's full of defensemen, do the Ducks risk it and take a forward this year and hope that they finish badly enough to get one of those guys next year? It's kind of like you really have to be careful what you do here if you're if you're the Ducks. Yeah, and, and I think that's why, you know, Anaheim's always said that they're going to do this, and, and they always take the best player available, no matter to. positional need. And, and that depends on, on who that is on their list, because I've seen arguments and I've seen rankings, and this year's is fairly unique and outside of that top three. Any one of those five guys I mentioned could be their best player available. You know, Cole Perfetti on some team's list, and you look at the rumors out of Detroit, he might be, they might like him better than all five of those guys. And there's teams who think Marco Rossi is the third best player in this draft. And there's teams who think Luke, a lot of teams who think Lucas Raymond is the third best player. There's teams who think you just can't pass up on a right shot defenseman with that amount of skill and Jamie Drysdale. And same goes for Alexander Holtz. I mean, it, it all comes down to perspective. For, for me, I'm not sold that Jamie Drysdale is a bona fide top two pairing guy in the NHL when he makes it there. I think he's, he's his floor as a top four guy, which means he's going to be a, a very very key piece to a team but is he you know a Miro Heiskanen or is he you know a Kale McCarr and I know that's 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 not fair I'm in terms of offensive production I think Miro Heiskanen is an exceptional defenseman and you know to say that is he Heiskanen or is he McCarr that means he's still gonna be a great still gonna be damn good yeah but is he is he going to produce points at the NHL level like a Kale McCarr like a Quinn Hughes or, or like an Eric Carlson like is he gonna put up 50 60 points in a season I just don't know and I, I think, you know, he could be a good 40-point. So if it was Holtz and Drysdale man. available at the same time, who are you taking? I'm taking, I'm taking Alexander Holtz. And, 
And and I agree with your point that yes, you can go out and get goal scorers, but can you go out and get a 30, 30 to forty goal scorer, a consistent thirty to forty goal scorer, a guy who has that potential? And didn't he, he blew up in the SHL too? Like he had a really didn't he? It hasn't didn't he have? Uh, yeah, his his year as an under eighteen player. Uh, there's only two players who've had better years uh, in terms of points per game than him, and that's Peter Forsberg and Marcus Naslin. Those guys uh, are pretty good. You know, yeah, yeah, and and sure, it comes down to usage. Um, you know, he he didn't play a lot, but he played over just around under 13 minutes a night. You know, Lucas Raymond only played nine minutes, so I think if you had to play Raymond 12 minutes a night, maybe he's up in that discussion because I think they're fairly close. I think they're they're both exceptional players, and and for me, they should both go in the top five. Uh, but the the thing is with Raymond, he's a, he's a complete player. He does everything. Like I said, he has no weaknesses. He's he's exceptional in in all areas, but there's no identifiable skill set for him. He's a great skater, an exceptional passer, has an underrated shot, a great two way player. For Holtz, it's his shooting. Like that's that's his calling card. That's his hallmark. Like he shoots the puck better than almost anybody I've seen in a very long time. And he's up there with Patrick Line when in his draft season when you talk about shooters. So like he is just. He's got multiple release points. The power he gets behind his shot is great in, in the Ovechkin spot on the power play, which is something that Bob Murray said he needs because nobody on the Ducks can do that. Well, nobody in the NHL can do that. What is Bobby worried about? <laughs> <laughs> he, he just, yeah, he just reminds me, and not in terms of ceiling, but just the shot reminds me of, of Patrick Liney and, and Alexander Ovechkin. It's just, it's so hard without really getting too much behind it. He can has like I said multiple release points he's so deceptive with getting his shot off he can pretty much score from anywhere bring the fans is... to their feet in Anaheim score some damn goals here right yeah and and you know the 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 he's not the best skater you know he he's not the best player in his own zone but you see that from elite goal scorers like line is not the by any means a great defensive player and it took a, Ovechkin a long time to be considered adequate defensively I, I think Holtz works hard I think that's the main thing you know the, the question marks around Ovi in his early part of his career where he didn't have any work ethic he didn't care about defense and the same thing has been said about Patrick Line at least from from Holtz I, I've seen him I hate those arguments though ethic. man I hate yeah, those arguments I, I know you, you, if you're scoring 40 50 goals a night it, it, you shouldn't be too right. concerned get somebody else to play defense dude <laughs> yeah and, but you know as a winger you do have defensive responsibilities and, and I think the work ethic has been there from Holtz. He might not be the best defensive forward, but at least he's going to work hard there, and he's going to work hard on the forecheck, which is is all I want to see from a guy who's going to score 30 or 40 goals. At least he's working hard, and, and he's showing it. And I think he's still an underrated playmaker. Like I, I still think Holtz has enough playmaking ability to be above-average playmaker in the NHL which is what you the same you, you could say for, for Patrick Laine and, and, and Alexander Vetchkin and some of the lead snipers is, you know, their, their passing isn't their calling card, but they're still very good passing players and, and they're still very good playmakers and occasionally they can pull off a great pass, but it's their shot that opens up that space to make those pass generally. And, you know, I, I just can't pass up on a, on a guy who has the potential to score 30 or 40 goals in the NHL. I like, get it's it. Just... It's not a bad choice, man. Like, really taking, None of these taking Holtz. No, I'm, no, it's not. But I, I really feel like it's between Drysdale and Holtz if I'm, if I'm Bob Murray and, and Martin Madden. Those are the only two guys that I really, really hope for at the upper echelon of things. I mean, obviously, uh, Perfetti and Raymond and Rossi aren't bad players. But uh, I think those are the – I think if I were to rate them, it would be Drysdale, Holtz, and then I would have to – look more to the other guys but those are my top two yeah. the ones i've read about for sure 
Yeah, for for sure. And, and I, I think if I, if I had to take twenty twenty one draft out of out of my thought process in, in terms of this, it, it would I'd probably have Drysdale maybe a little bit higher. Uh, but for me, like if Raymond and Holtz are both available, it's a really tough tough pick. I I, I almost pair them as, as like a one A one B with a slight edge to Holtz just because I I've just they they need a scorer. Yeah, and I've just I've been in love with this game since the beginning of the year. Um, Drysdale, I think, comes in at at number three for me, just for the potential that he could. Be. I still believe he could be a top two defenseman in the NHL, and and for that, you you kind of have to go that route. But you know, I want to quickly talk about Perfetti and, and and Rossi for you know just to to be fair here and not leave them out for anybody out there. I know a few people who are fans of both of them and they're still exceptional players. Like don't think if the Ducks don't walk away with Raymond Holtz or, or Drysdale and, and they get one of Perfetti or Rossi that they're not good. And, you know, you, like I said, you could talk to any, uh, any scout out there and a few of them will, will tell you that Perfetti or Rossi are better than the three players we've already mentioned. I they're mean, really good. I mean, was it Rossi and Perfetti or they were one, two in scoring, were they not in the OHL? Yeah. They, they were, yet. Yeah. Rossi was number one. He won uh, OHL Player of the Year this year. Uh, he just He's just a great player. And, and, you know, normally a guy who's 5'9", you look at Cole Caulfield, they'll fall. Uh, he, won't, he won't fall because of his size in this draft. He, he's an immensely stocky guy for 5'9". He's closing in on 200 pounds at 5'9". And, and by no means he's overweight. He's just a massive guy. Like you cannot knock him off the puck. Like you think of most five nine guys, guys around that size in the NHL, and they're smaller guys. Guys like Johnny Goodrow, like they're not. You know, Johnny Goodrow's pretty easy to knock off the puck if you can get good positioning on him. Obviously, he's an extremely elusive player, but Rossi's just he's just so big. It you know from the waist down, it, it's it, it's impossible to kind of push him off the puck. He's kind of built like Sidney Crosby. In, in the way he moves and you know doesn't really have too many weaknesses to his game similar to Raymond good defensively you know great passer of the puck his hockey IQ is near the top of the draft he, he's just just a great player to watch and, and you know I don't know if he could be a center in the NHL at 5'9 despite mm. you know all the positives I've said about him let I him shoot the puck though guys. that's his strong point right get him the puck yeah yeah, yeah. Get get the puck on his stick, and he'll make things happen. And whether he's a center or a winger at the NHL level, he'll still be able to do that. I think if any five nine player that I've ever seen has the potential to play center of the NHL, it's probably Marco Rossi because I've never seen a five nine player built like he is. Um, so it's not a bad pick if the Ducks take it by any means. And I think Marco Rossi and Trevor Zegers would pair great together. And again, like like I said, the same goes for Cole Perfetti. I mean, he's a, one of the better skaters in the draft. He has a great shot could be the best playmaker in the draft as well and he didn't play on as good of a team as Marco Rossi and you could argue if you put Cole Perfetti in that spot where Marco Rossi was playing with Ottawa he could have done better than Marco Rossi did his his skill set is that good like all five of these players are amazing and just for the Ducks to have a chance of drafting any of them is great I think if they had a fall into nine in this year versus having six last year I'd rather them have six this year than than, than you know having nine. I, I think there's there's eight players in this draft who are just exceptional, and if you're able to get any one of them, you're you're in a pretty good spot mm-hmm. going forward. I I don't think you know of any of those five guys, uh, the Ducks are going to walk away with one unless they go way off the board, which God forbid I hope they don't go off the board and grab a guy you know, like got, Jake Sanderson or something like well, that. Well, like moving things around, would you rather Quentin Byfield gets picked first by one of those placeholder teams? And then um, have and then Lafreniere goes to LA? No. Um I, I think Lafreniere and, and Byfield 
if I had to pick between Byfield and Lafreniere going to LA, it's, it's it's tough because although I think Byfield could be the best player down the road, I think he it, is with his size. I mean, that you can't yeah. you can't teach that. That's that's the old saying. It's true. You and he's fast. He can dangle. He's physical. He's a nasty player. I don't want him playing in Anaheim four times, five times a season. Yeah, but I mean, give him to Lafreniere. Pittsburgh. Give him to the rain, whoever. <laughs> Lafreniere, a, a, he's going to be a McKinnon-type player. Like, just well, that's the, nasty the, too. the size and strength and skill he has. He might not be as fast as Nathan McKinnon is, but like, he's he's going to be a great player. Like, if, if one of those two end up in, in L.A., I'll be extremely disappointed. Like, obviously, and I, we're downplaying Tim Stutzel and his effect that he could have in, in, in L.A. because I think Tim Stutzel's a great player too. But for me, like, Byfield and Lafreniere are in another stratosphere. Like, I think... I think Byfield's way closer to Lafreniere than any player below him is close to him. Like, I, I think there's a huge gap. Like, if we're taking skill level now, Lafreniere is the best player in this draft based off, you know, the their skill level at this point. But I think a year or two down the road, Byfield's going to catch up, and he's going to be right up there. And I don't see any other player coming close to them. Stutzel's going to potentially be the third or fourth best player from this draft. I will take him in LA gladly over any of those two. Like <laughs> I, I do not, I do not want to face those those two down the road. Yeah, let uh, Byfield go to Ottawa sort of. or something, right? Yeah, yeah. Let him. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with seeing him in Ottawa. If I, I don't, I don't mind Byfield in Ottawa. I think Ottawa, despite all the problems they've had, they need something good to happen. Byfield falling two to them would, would be okay in my books as long as he avoids LA and, and the the placeholder team, no matter who it is. Nobody is taking anybody but Lafreniere first. I know, draft. I know. It's 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 not happening. And there's only one person I know out there who has Byfield ranked number one, and that's Cam Robertson from uh, Dauber and uh, Elite Prospects. He's had him at number one all year, for that very reason because he thinks, you know, he admits that Lafren <clears throat> that Lafreniere is going to be the best player heading into the draft, but Byfield could be the best player when you look, you know, five or ten years down the road. Insane that Ottawa gets two picks in the top five. Yeah, it it you know what it's we've we've trashed them a lot, and I I even trashed them for taking keeping the number four pick and drafting yeah. Brady Chuck last year when I said they they probably should have passed on that uh, because and and moved it to next year so they could get a better pick next year, but you know it turns out Brady Chuck was a great pick despite all the analytics going against it and mm-hmm. he had a great rookie season looked excellent for them and and now it pans out San Jose absolutely shit the bed this year. And Ottawa wins big on that Carlson trade now, getting the fifth. I actually don't know what pick they won third with. It might have been the San Jose the pick. San Jose, San Jose pick was the third pick. So they end up getting the third overall pick with the San Jose pick, which is which is nuts. Insane they have two top five picks. picks. The Ducks couldn't crack the top five. That's unreal to me, man. That's yeah. unreal. Uh, Ottawa, I mean, Ottawa had a 25% chance to get the first overall pick. They'll that. find a way to screw it up, though. I hope so. That's, that's just what we've been trashing Ottawa for a long time on this show. If you haven't know, already, if our listeners but, haven't already noticed, but uh, watch outside, them screw outside it up. of outside of Pierre Dorn and, and Eugene Melnick, like I, <laughs> I, I like the watch team them take Ottawa. somebody off the board. They'll like take someone like ranked 12th. Like oh, I'm just gonna there's take people, that guy. There's people saying they might take Jake Sanderson at number five, who's the who people are starting to question could be better than Jamie Drysdale. I don't, I don't see it, but. I he thought, is I a thought real he fell down the draft rankings, though. Nope. Well, uh, hockey. Twitter. I thought that was the big thing. I thought Drysdale Hock- took uh, was higher than than Sanderson at this point. He is. He is. Ho- hockey Twitter is is way different than what scouts think. Um, of course. And especially when you have this much time off, 
And, you know, Drysdale's a guy people have been watching for a long time, plays in a popular league. Sanderson played for the National Development Team program in the U.S. And, you know, yes, they've been watched a lot, but coming off of Jack Hughes, Turcotte, Zegras, Caulfield, the eyes went really on that team this year. And I think now that people have had time to, to sit back and watch more of his game, you've watched too much of Drysdale and now you're starting to watch this guy and get hyped at this guy. Now mm. you're like, Oh, maybe he's better. And I, I think it's more so of that than anything. And, but I think there's teams out there who've done a lot of that and, and he might, he might be like a more insider was last year. And, and it's like Detroit or, or Ottawa or somebody takes him at four or five and, and just completely throws the draft into disarray. Like I, if anybody gets taken higher than they should, uh, and that's going to throw, things in, in for a loop it's going to be jake sanderson i think we'll have to see what happens there let's get to a couple of things where we wrap uh we hit the, we think we actually hit the hour mark man very excited we had that's why we waited everybody we needed an hour yeah. show that's to, to get that's everybody. why we waited a month and in, in two weeks what well, six weeks was because we wanted to wait for the information not because <laughs> we're poor at planning or but yeah the, the world's on fire a lot of things going on and we kind of made uh some bad decisions with planning on day on bad days but um i wanted to bring something up to you because i know you and i we contend on this all the time the nhl extended the cba right another three years and it included the olympic participation in the 2022 winter olympics in beijing and the 2026 olympic games in milan how stoked are you the nhl is going back to the olympics are you as happy as i am I'm probably not as happy as you are, but I'm definitely happy. Like I like you know anybody who's listened to the show before when we've had these debates, especially our Patreon members. Uh, I was never against NHL players being in the Olympics, and you know I, I I'm happy when they're there. It's great hockey. I just was among the camp that wasn't as upset that it was gone. In you know in terms of it's been an amateur sport thing in the past, and I'm not. I think players have an obligation to their NHL teams over the Olympics. And if their NHL team says they don't want them to go to the Olympics and the NHL says they don't want them to, then, then not go. But I, I'm definitely happy that it's back. I am. Like, I love watching Olympic hockey with the best on best. I think it's going to be great. You know, Canada's going to win a few more gold medals, so it's all going to be, it's all oh, gonna be well, good. Yeah, yeah so right. It's what so, do they say. It's like when USA wins, it's a miracle. <laughs> I am, I, I, you know, I am excited to see the U.S. team, though. It's, it's been a while since we've seen them. And now you've got Austin Matthews, you've got Jack Eichel, you've got Johnny Goodrow, you've got you've got a lot of young guys coming up. And, and for Ducks fans... Can we trade Jack Eichel for Nathan McKinnon? Can we do that? No. no. <sighs> He's my favorite player in the league, man. It's funny, because you've got Austin Matthews and Jack Eichel, and then you just look over the other side of the table, and it's Connor McDavid and Nathan McKinnon, and it's like... McKinnon's I'm, my I'm, favorite I'm, player in the NHL right now. I mean, I love I'm, every one of the Ducks, but McKinnon, to me, is just... My God, that guy's amazing. Honestly, I'm just happy it's going to be more competitive because you look at, you know, I know the game itself in 2010 was competitive between the U.S. and Canada. Oh, should we not talk rosters, about that year, please? Right. Just, just but you look at year. those rosters and, and Canada had a way better team and they should have easily won, but they didn't. Thanks, the, Ryan the, Miller. I think, I think the team's going into it this, this time around. Like, they're going to be pretty even. Like, the U.S. has stepped their game up in terms of player development. You know, 2022, USNT, it'll be baby. interesting. <laughs> but 2020, 2026, I think, for me, 
is is going to be extremely interesting because you're going to have guys like Jack Hughes who in four four or five years are going to take a step forward. You're going to have you know Cole Caulfield in the NHL at that point. You're, you know Quinn Hughes. Uh, like you've got some great players, and then not only you know for Ducks fans as well, Trevor Zegras. Yeah, you know, five or six years down the road, and then you get Quentin Byfield. So, <laughs> yeah, and, and Shane Wright, yeah. and all these guys. Yeah, can we not talk about Canada's talent pool? But, but it will be it will be fun, a lot more fun to watch. And I and I think you know, in in terms of the two powerhouses, I, I think it really will be Canada in the U.S. rather than Canada and Russia. And Russia is still going to be a powerhouse. But you have to think by twenty twenty six, no Ovi. Maybe no Malkin. You know, the last time we saw them as a powerhouse, it was Datsu. He's obviously no longer going to be there anymore. And, yes, they've had great prospects coming out, but no Hovey and no Malkin is, is, is going to be huge for them. You know, they're still going to have guys like Vasilevsky and Nett and, and some very good forwards like Kucherov and, and Matvey Mitchkov at that point down the road and, and Vasily Poltkolzin and other guys. But I think it really will be Canada – in in the U.S. and the teams like Finland and Sweden and Russia, uh, and even Germany with Drysaddle and a few others trying to catch up. But yeah, I, I I'm really excited to see uh, 2022 and 2026 matchups between U, U.S. and Canada because I think they're the the players are starving to get back to best on best uh, national games in the Olympics that mean something. Well, yeah, so because I, the NHL owners are just like, well, hey, guess what? We'll give you the Olympics, but we're gonna make you guys eat hundreds of million dollars hundreds of millions of dollars in escrow so and the players you know like, gonna be, sign us up <laughs> you know what's going to be even better about all this too is a lot of these guys is going to be their first olympics and they're going to be just buzzing trying to get out there like obviously you know crosby for 2022 he's probably going to be there and patrick Kane's probably going to be there for the u.s and you know all these guys are, that have been there before are going to be there but the bulk of these teams are going to be first timers like if they're smart, know. if the if the they, way well, that the G, uh, the GM whoever gets put to be GM and coach, if they don't break at the U.S., that just always scares me, man. It's gonna be like I think I, I think John yeah, Tortorella and <laughs> yeah, I. It's we not t- good. It can't be John Tortorella. We're, we should we're gonna do Patreon shows that are gonna talk yeah, about. We should definitely jump into CBA. that another show. And the return to play, uh, you know, for anybody who isn't familiar with the show and and with our Patreon, um, obviously it's mainly Ducks talks on, on Forever Mighty, but we go in depth on NHL content on our Patreon. So, you know, we're overdue on there as well. Over the last month, it's been a, a crazy month, obviously with everything going on and and with work. I know for the three of us, I mean, the reason Jason isn't here right now is because he's probably still working right now. As, as same for Keith too. Keith couldn't make it because he's super and, busy with work. And same for Keith, but uh, you know, no excuses on our part. Um, you know, we're going to be upping our game here and on Patreon, so we'll be talking about the the new CBA. We'll be talking about uh, return to play, uh, and, and I think we should uh, we should probably um, do a show that you know, building our own rosters for the 2022 Olympics for Canada and the U.S. Oh, that'd be fun. Now that we know what's happening. Yeah, I, I think looking at the rosters now and. And picking our, uh, we'll just stick with those two teams, picking our, our Team Canada and Team USA rosters and, and comparing them. I think that would be a pretty good show. But that's the, 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 the type of stuff we usually do over on Patreon as well as Pucks and Brews, which is our flagship show on Patreon, our most popular show. Um, it, you know, it's self-explanatory. It's it's Pucks and, and Beers. So <laughs> it's talking hockey <laughs> and, and drinking beer. So it's... Uh, 
it's a lot of fun. It's it's definitely uh, you know heavily requested by our Patreon members. Dave's in the chat right now saying the Patreon is dope, so we appreciate uh, appreciate the support. But yeah, we'll we'll be out more consistently on here as news comes out. Obviously, um, you know once hockey gets underway on August first, a few of our shows on here will probably be a bit more NHL focused than Ducks focused because I can't imagine the Ducks are going to have too much news coming out from now uh, until August, especially with games in play. Uh, but, you know, once the offseason fully gets in place and, and the draft, which is scheduled right now for August 9th and 10th, once we get closer, to, or October 9th and 10th, once we get closer to that, um, you know, we'll, we'll start ramping up our draft coverage and, and get more into free agency and stuff like that as well. No, absolutely, man. I think I think now's a good time to uh, to wrap the show. If you got anything else you want to touch on before we go? Nope, nope. Uh, we will be back hopefully in the next couple of weeks. That's pretty much it. Um, you know, oh, I we'll be back wanna... playoff time. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and like I said, um, you know, make sure you check out the Patreon because we we will be uh, having episodes there. So if you're missing us in the next week or two, um, you know, we're going to have a few episodes coming out in there uh, in the near future. No, absolutely. Thanks everyone for tuning in tonight, and to uh, everyone who's been listening to us for a long time. Uh, sorry, we were so long in between shows. Like like Eddie just said, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. But stay tuned on our Twitters where you catch the most up to date news. Um, and that's where you're going to find out our, when our Patreon shows are coming up. And Eddie runs out like a machine. He posts stuff all the time for Ducks News. It's the best spot to go. And he's a writer. He writes for like 30 different publications online. It seems like the guy's got an article every two days. So yes. uh, check, check, check it out, out too. Check out the hockey writers and check out Recruit Scouting. Yeah, that's absolutely. My, uh, that's my two plugs. Yeah. Check out Eddie Jones on those places. And like I said, guys, we'll talk soon. Have a great night. For the ones who get going. When the going gets tough, and the ones who know we're tougher together. For the Pathfinders breaking new ground, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24 7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you, so you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.